1: The premier podcast for all things
0: Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown. Brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and Johnny McGonagall.
1: Hey Penn State fans, how are you? I'm Bob Flounders. Johnny McGonagall is on with me for this episode of the Blue White Breakdown Podcast. Uh, Penn Live's Penn State Football Podcast. Time to talk James Franklin's Tuesday Presser with my man and one of the biggest Philadelphia Eagles fans in Pennsylvania, Johnny McGonigal. I know it was a great weekend for you on a number of fronts. I'm just happy to talk with you, and uh,
0: let's talk a little Penn State Northwestern. Absolutely, Bob. Yeah, right after. I mean, look, like you, your Cowboys got a good win, right? I mean, you know, it's, it's against Danny Dimes, so it's – <laughs> I, don't how, I don't know how much that's worth to you, but you know. Yeah, I, hey, I, well, I'm i in
1: the same division with uh, all these Eagles fans and Dallas's offense is not ready for anyone of consequence. I think that uh, the game against Tampa Bay with Dak Prescott was revealing. They just really struggle to get to 20 points is right around. That's, I think that might be, that might be their ceiling. So when you talk about I think they played the Eagles in two weeks. And uh it really doesn't matter if you have a great defense. If you can't score in the NFL, like I think nine times out of ten you're gonna be in trouble. So they had they had some success against the Eagles last year, but I am not I don't think they have enough skilled people. And uh it could just be the Eagles year, Johnny.
0: So tread lightly if you embarrass Dallas in two weeks, okay? It was a nice uh Monday night football uh showcase for Penn State football though. It was. Parsons and obviously Saquon looking like old Saquon on that touchdown run. That was a nice little showcase. Happy for Saquon to be healthy again because, you know, his rookie year, he was
1: great, but he's, he's dealt with some, I know he had the torn ACL and last year he, I think it was in against the Cowboys. He got, he, he landed awkwardly on his foot and he was, he just, he came back and played cause he's a tough guy, but he was not the same guy, man. But when he's feeling it and he's healthy and he was like, you saw in that touchdown run, boy. He's he's an impressive guy. The Giants are much improved. I think the Redskins might just stink again. Uh, but Dallas, to me, I, I love watching their defense play. I love watching Micah play. He was sick. I th- I don't think he was healthy last night. But they just they just are a little bit deficient uh, when it comes to scoring points. So we'll see. But you're right. It was it was a marquee Penn State matchup, and I think both Micah, even though he was ailing, and and Saquon, they didn't disappoint. Speaking of teams that do not disappoint, Johnny. Um maybe um, did they didn't win comfort, as comfortably I think as as Penn State fans thought they would, but you know James Franklin's got his team four and o heading into a a home game against a prohibitive underdog those northwestern wildcats, so I mean, I think it's all systems go for five and o. do you see what I did there
0: what did What did you think of James's Tuesday presser? Yeah, it was a nice little rhyme there. I was gonna say I feel like you said you know teams that don't disappoint it, I feel like Penn State fans might have been a little disappointed with that. Central Michigan win. But, again, you know, you come out, you're 4-0. You own it to this Northwestern game as, what, 25-and-a-half-point favorites against the White- Yeah. A team that just lost to Southern Illinois. Uh, so you should be feeling pretty good going into a bye week with you know that that uh, that gauntlet of Michigan, Minnesota, Ohio State on the horizon. But, yeah, a lot to take from James Franklin's press conference. Just talking about, I think the main theme of it was just him emphasizing the depth of this team uh, we saw in both games against MAC teams. We saw a lot of guys get in, and even in the Purdue and Auburn games, and uh, there are seven true freshmen right now that have already played four games. So if they play one more, uh, they will not redshirt this season because that's that limit, that four-game limit. Uh, Drew Aller being one of them, and that's what I wrote about after Franklin's, uh, Franklin's press conference, about the way that they've used him so far through four games. And he was asked about that, and he even mentioned – You know previous experiences with uh, backups. You know going against Penn State, and he was alluding to that Iowa game last year and uh, the backup quarterback not being ready. I think that's been a point of emphasis of this team uh, across the board to be ready in case a guy in front of him goes down. But uh, with that gauntlet coming up uh, in in mid October, if Sean Clifford gets hurt, uh, Drew Aller will be more ready than than maybe more than people would have expected uh, before the season, given his experience so far. I've always interested when James
1: goes into detail about a question that a lot of people, not just the media, but the fans are curious about. I think Ben Jones actually asked the question and he asked it in the right way. Um, he was asked about Drew Aller getting into play. And, you know, even before the season started, Johnny, James, you could tell James had 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 kind of reshaped his thoughts on young players and and emphasizing developing depth, even when the season's first three or four games were very challenging, you know it wasn't like James committed to playing all of his guys, and they had a a very soft September. He 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 said over and over, "Hey, we are going to emphasize um, building depth and uh, at every position." And he's he's meant it. And when he when he answered Ben's question today, you know he he really he talked about three different, at least three different, I think factors that influenced him. One was, I think I don't know that James would ever say this uh, on the record. I think what happened to Penn State at the Iowa game, and then also at the Illinois game, at the quarterback position, they also lost P.J. Mustaifer, but it was really Sean Clifford. You, I think he was embarrassed by the fact that he didn't have an answer other than uh, a banged- up Sean Clifford um, to play against Illinois, and the, the, the backup he chose to play in the Iowa game just could not function. Uh, Taequann Roberson they didn't really take a long look at the competition with Roberson and Christian Vejor and it turned out that Vejor was actually the better prospect and he actually played against Rutgers but he he mentioned that I think he was a little embarrassed by that and I think that shaped him Um, but he also acknowledged the climate that they're in in 2022 with the transfer portal um, and trying to keep the roster happy if they can if they're they're good enough the third factor Johnny is that Some of these first and second year players are just really talented, and you want to play those guys. You want to give Drew Aller, who's clearly uh, the future of Penn State football, you you want to give him a chance when the opportunity presents itself to get ready, because you know the future is coming very quickly uh, at the quarterback position. But the depth at every position, there's such a a much deeper team because they're playing these guys in meaningful uh, situations, and I think it's really going to pay off for them during the second half of the season.
0: Yeah, I mean, you look last year, you know, in three appearances uh, before that Iowa game, which was week six, Juan Roberson only had 23 snaps. Uh, Now four games in, uh, Drew Aller into his Penn State career, 47 snaps, and, uh, you know, some good experience, too. It's not like this was just against FCS teams or group of five teams. You know, again, stepping in for that series at Purdue, I think, did a lot for his confidence uh, early on, winning that backup quarterback job, you know, in the first place, right, over – uh, Christian Veyer uh, getting in and uh, really turning to be garbage time against Auburn, which, you know, again, leading, a, leading a scoring drive, a field goal drive in that game. But, you know, it's not just Aller even, you know, it's Nick Singleton and Katron Allen at this point are co-starters uh, at running back, you know, denied Dennis Sutton now has three sacks in his last two games. Uh, Zane Durant, uh, at D tackle, you know, Amari Evans, uh, Abdul Carter, you know, we've written about him. It feels like a bunch right over the last few weeks. How he's just been all over the place at linebacker. These young true freshmen, this uh, top, you know, the twenty twenty two class that was so highly regarded, has a lot of talented dudes in it, and so they're gonna get they're gonna get some playing time. And so I think you're gonna continue to see that develop. And not just those guys. I I think you know guys like a Caden Saunders and and those guys. I think you know ideally uh, you know they'll they'll redshirt, but you know if if they need to use them, they will because they are talented guys. And, And again, in this tough stretch coming up, you're gonna need all hands on deck.
1: Yeah, and before we get to some more of what James had to say, you and I don't really get a chance to talk on video after after games, and I just wanted to get your thoughts. You look at Sean Clifford's overall numbers this year, and and it's really, really tough to find any fault with the six-year quarterback. I mean, one interception, maybe eight touchdown passes. His completion percentage, I think, is at like 64%. He's run for a touchdown. In every game he got up off the deck after one of the nastiest shots I've ever seen a Penn State player take early in the Auburn game when Owen Popo hit him on that first series he got back right back up was not the worst for wear. I mean, you look at those numbers and you're just like, man, he came back and he's he's making the he's making the most of his final year but however, I don't know what you think, but i go to, I go back to you know the pick six at Auburn, and then I think it was two pos- possessions after that, where I think Penn State went three and out, and he just looked—he he did not look ag- accurate. He got back—he got it back together on that la- that last drive, and that second quarter against Central Michigan, where basically I, I think he started eight for eight, and then he went seven for his next seventeen, and with not very many yards, there were guys open, and he just. Either it was either an inaccurate throw. He threw it over their heads. He threw it behind them. He bounced it. You know they're going to have to play at Michigan, then host Minnesota, then they're going to play Ohio State. Can Penn State survive if Sean Clifford is a little bit off for like a quarter in any of those games? I just wonder about that. That's another reason why I think if you're Penn State this weekend and you get a chance to play number 15 uh, in the second half, you got to take it because I just. I don't know against a better a better team if they, if they could survive a bad 15 minutes from the quarterback.
0: Yeah, I mean, this has kind of been the Sean Clifford experience, you know, through four games. He accounted for, what, five touchdowns at Purdue, and and yet almost, you know, he, he ended up winning you the game, but he also almost cost you the game. And so you come out of that performance and you're like, yeah, it ended great, but there was a moment there where it, it got really dicey. Uh, in the Ohio game, he took three sacks. Now, one of them I don't think was necessarily his fault, a couple of them, though, it's like he, you know, he's holding on to the ball a little bit more, uh, you know, longer than he really should. The last two games, though, he's only taken one sack. I, I've, that's one thing I've kind of been impressed with him over the last two games. Uh, is he's getting the ball out earlier. His internal clock seems to be getting better. Or At least it was better than it was uh, against Ohio. Uh, the Auburn game, and again, it's weird, right? His the Auburn game, he didn't have any passing touchdowns, but I thought that was at least from what I've seen. Obviously, I, you know, I missed some time here. But I still watched him from you know watch him and Penn State from afar over the last few years. I felt like last, you know, against Auburn, that was one of his best games in a Penn State uniform. He was in control, he was managing the game, he was making the right checks, he just he just seemed in command out there. Last week, you know, against Central Michigan, he has three passing touchdowns, no turnovers, and you look at that stat line, it's like, okay, that's what you want out of your quarterback. But I think just I don't think he really passed the eye test against Central Michigan. Like there were some throws, you know, whether it was behind guys, you know, at, at, at guys' feet, maybe he was a little jittery in the pocket. You've seen ghosts a couple of times, like, you know, the pressure that wasn't really there. Uh, You know, again, guys have to catch the ball, too, uh, because there were a few drops in the Central Michigan game, you know, really back to back plays with uh, Harrison Wallace and uh, Mitchell Tinsley on that third and fourth down uh, that could have rolled into a 21 nothing lead. And then and then who knows at that point? But uh, I just think it's been a little up and down. Uh, You know, James Franklin said today in his press conference that he's um, that he's been impressed with how he's been limiting mistakes and stayed more even keeled uh, throughout the game. But, yeah, I mean, I don't think you can afford a 15-minute lull against uh, Michigan or an Ohio State. I think you can. I mean, I, I like Minnesota. I, I've been higher on Minnesota than I think most um, You know, preseason bef- and throughout the season. But uh, I think in a, in a whiteout environment, I think you could potentially get away with that. Uh, on the road at Michigan, I don't think so, and certainly not against Ohio State.
1: Yeah. One more thing I wanted to get to with you, not re- necessarily re- related to James's Tuesday presser. The longer Penn State plays this year – um, even though they are so talented on the offensive side of the ball at the skill positions, they got the veteran quarterback. Uh, they, I don't think they have very many worries at left tackle with Olu Fashano who's protecting Sean's blind side. I think that is a very much of a big deal where last year. Rasheed Walker was erratic at best. He also got hurt. Um, I, they have to feel a lot better about left tackle. And I think that is a big deal. Michigan killed them. Both tackles got wiped out uh, in last year's loss to Michigan, but I wanted to bring up one thing because I just think that if you're if you're the defensive coordinator and you're going to face Penn State's offense and you and you think it's going to be a game where maybe this you you have a shot at beating this team so obviously it's Michigan Ohio State right and even Minnesota cover 0. I want to bring up cover 0 because it was an issue against Central Michigan. They were they really struggled at times to run the ball until Catron Allen got involved. They couldn't there, there were some times where even passing wise It it was a struggle. I thought against Purdue. Purdue played some cover zero against Penn State. Cover zero is essentially there's no deep help. Everyone's kind of at the line of scrimmage. They're going to challenge, you know, all the gaps. They're going to challenge the wideouts. They're going to make it very tough to find some open spaces at scrimmage. But if you can get behind these guys or the running back can make a guy miss, it could be a long touchdown. So there is a risk-reward there. But I I just wonder about cover zero and kind of putting the ball in Sean Clifford's hands and saying, okay, you gotta, you're got. you going to be the guy that beats us.
0: Yeah, look, I think there were some commitment issues in terms of the running game. You know, we saw that Kay Allen eventually got going against Central Michigan. But I think Clifford had 25 passing attempts in the first half. And so I think if you're Mike Yursich, uh, a yeah. part of you is like, yeah, they're playing this cover zero. You know, we have these opportunities, whether they're, it's downfield or in the intermediate passing game. Let's take those opportunities and throw the ball. In an ideal world, in, in any game, you kind of want to get Nick Singleton and Catron Allen established early and often to kind of help you out in that regard, make make the defense think about that running game a little bit. You know, in terms of the pass protection, yeah, Olu Fashanu was really impressed me. I think they missed Hunter Norzad being able to rotate in. Uh, he dressed but did not play against the Chips. Uh, I just like saying the Chips. I know uh, it, you do. <laughs> it, it's, it's great. Um, so that, that I think that had a little bit of a factor. Uh, the tight ends as well, you know, they blocked really well against Auburn. I don't think they blocked as well uh, against Central Michigan. But yeah, this, these are things that you know you don't want to see on film. But at the same time, you'd rather them against a MAC opponent here before you go into this stretch, before you go into a bye week where you have you have a lot of time to sift through these uh, you know mistakes, whether it's along the offensive line or you know maybe that third receiver isn't getting open. You know, I know that Sean had some issues. Uh, connecting with his guys, you know, even uh, some of the passes to Parker Washington and Mitchell Tinsley weren't on point. But I think a- another issue here, not to go totally off topic, but I think it's kind of intertwined with all this, is uh, the separation and the per- lack of production from a third wide receiver. Uh, we haven't really seen much out of Keandre Lambert Smith after the touchdown, uh, Harrison Wallace. You know, again, he had an opportunity to make a third down catch and move the chains I against mean, Central Michigan. He didn't take that opportunity. Brenton Strange at tight end has been really good for them so far. He's kind of been. Uh, That third option, I mean, even really the top option uh, in the red zone, at least two touchdowns against Central Michigan. But I think just a lot of it is, you know, whether it's Sean Clifford not making the right decision, the offensive line not holding up, uh, the running game not being committed to, there's a bunch of little things that, you know, they can go into this Northwestern game against a defense that will give up some points and feel confident in correcting some of these issues.
1: Yeah, I think you make a good point, Johnny. You know, as much as Penn State talks about all these skill position weapons they have in the passing game, they don't really throw that much to their running backs. They can do it, but they really have not done it. And other than other than Tinsley, Parker Washington, who I think kind of got back on track against Central Michigan, and Brenton Strange, you know, the other guys, I don't I don't know. I don't know if they're pulling their weight. You mentioned Keandre Lambert Smith. I think that Trey Wallace is pushing him. He did have some chances against Central Michigan. He did have a long catch. McGee had two catches uh, total, but he did he did have a chance for another big play. His talent is very tantalizing. I don't know what the deal is with Keandre Lambert Smith. I thought after the Purdue game, I thought that might have been kind of almost his coming out part, Even though he had a drop in that game, that really hurt. He's just been very erratic. He did throw a nice pass to Sean Clifford at Auburn. He actually hit Sean in stride on that on kind of that trick play. But Theo Johnson has played two games. Uh, he played a lot more against Central Michigan. I don't think he blocked very well at all against Central Michigan. And they're playing him in line, right? They're not not—they're not really spl- splitting him out just to see if there's a matchup issue there. We haven't seen anything from him or from Tyler Warren. Tyler had that big drop at Purdue uh, from Drew Allar. So, yeah, as much as they really like their depth at tight end and wideout, it's, they've really only had really three guys, I think, step to the front. And I think they're going to need a couple more guys to take the pressure of the three guys that are getting the job done, uh, because they're going to face some better defenses, and you know if these guys don't step up, Michigan's going to make life really tough. I think on Parker and Tinsley, and they're probably going to be aware of Brenton Strange when it's in
0: an obvious passing situations. So, are these guys going to come alive in the month of October? Yeah, Keandre Lambert Smith. We talked about him, right? He had four catches uh, for fifty-eight yards against Purdue, and he had a couple drops in there, so it wasn't a perfect game, but. Yeah, he, he had a little bit of redemption that twenty-nine yard or twenty-six yard uh, catch and run touchdown bouncing off a guy. Since then, he's had four catches, or uh, excuse me, five catches. So nine on the season, 100, 100 plus yards in four games. That's not what you want out of your number three receiver. So maybe maybe it is you know Harrison Wallace time, or maybe you know Theo Johnson will just step up a little bit more, get involved in the passing game, and we'll just rely on more two tight end sets uh, to move the ball and move the chains, but. I, I think you have to be encouraged with what Katron Allen showed in the running game. I do think that's a, that's a positive uh, to take from the central Michigan game. Uh, Nick Singleton had a little trouble getting going at a 21 yard run, which is nice, but otherwise he had 21 total yards on his other 10 or 11 carries. So a little bit of Saquon Barkley in him, right? The good and you know, not so, I mean, it's, it's Saquon Barkley. So you don't want to say it was bad, but you remember Saquon always tried to make something out of a run all the time. And sometimes he gets caught behind the line of scrimmage. Sometimes he gets caught three, four yards back. Uh, Katron Allen, 36 carries this year, has yet to be stopped for a loss. So I think that's good, though, that they're getting production out of both their freshman tailbacks, not just one, two different styles, two different uh, challenges to present to defense. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Everyone's journey is different, and we are honored to guide you to the best relationship with this incredible plant. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting
1: to your happy place for a happy price go to your happy price price line it's the blue white breakdown here i'm with johnny McGonagall. it's bob flounders here let's talk two things that really made james franklin i think smile uh and really something he really hung his hat on during this tuesday news conference turnover margin penn state is number four in fbs i think they're like plus nine i want to say or plus eight usc by the way Plus fourteen. They haven't turned the ball over once and they forced fourteen turnovers. That's that's pretty good. But the the Lions turnover margin I think has really, really stood out. The other the other uh stat that really jumps off the page, pass breakups or deflections, whatever you want to call them. Forty-one, I think that's more than it's number one in the country, and they have such a deep corner room. They also they have safeties that can make plays on the ball. But those two stats, I think, really, really have helped define Penn State's unbeaten start. I don't know how sustainable turnover margin is. I think, I think eventually Penn State's going to have one more than one turnover this season. I'm actually pretty sure about that. I think the contested passes. I mean, it is a, it is a big number through through four games, but I mean, it really does speak to their aggressive nature. They're going to get called for some flags, but they can blanket receivers. They can run right with the receivers. They can give them zero room. And you're seeing that on a lot of passes. And I, I don't remember uh, in my 21 years, Johnny, I don't remember a secondary with this kind of coverage. It really, really jumps off the page.
0: I, I haven't I haven't been around covering Penn State for 21 years, but uh, I do remember the 2017 season when they had, that was the only time in the last 10 years uh, that Penn State has had 60 or more pass breakups in a season. And of course that year they ended up winning 11 games and going to the six bowl and winning it. Uh, they had some NFL guys in the secondary, Grant Haley, you know, Amani O'Rouria. Joey Porter has the look of a first-round guy, right? Uh, he was he was a projected first-round pick before the season, and he's been kind of showing that. You know, Purdue tested him quite a bit, threw out him like 15 times, and uh, came away with six pass breakups. Ever, since then, the last three games, uh, PFF has him at seven targets total. I mean, Auburn didn't even bother. And they're, and they're looking at Kalen King, who was the highest-graded PFF player in the country this past weekend after having – Uh, four pass breakups as well as a forced fumble and recovered fumble. So uh, these corners have really impressed, you know, Marquise Wilson as well. Johnny Dixon, uh, Zaki Wheatley has been all over the ball uh, at safety. Keaton Ellis as well with some breakups. So I think that there's a lot to build off of and it's not just a production thing. It's a, and it's a sustained production thing. You know, the the turnover margin that might come and go. It's a little fluky sometimes, but uh, pass breakups and and that kind of mentality and that aggression uh, coming from Manny Diaz's defense is a really good sign through four games. One of the reasons I picked Auburn to beat Penn
1: State was, you know, Penn State's greatest strength on defense is is really via the pass. And I'm like, well, you know, what if Auburn just runs the ball 48 times at them and Bigsby gets 30 carries and they wear Penn State's defense out? It didn't really happen that way. They turned it over four times. But Penn State's run defense got the job done. The But its sample size was a little limited. But I bring this up, Johnny, because – not to dismiss Northwestern, but when they see Michigan and, and Minnesota back to back, those are two teams that I think I think the offensive coordinators and the head coaches are going to say, "Look, we're going to we're going to do what we're good at, and that's run the ball either with Blake Corum or with uh, Mohamed. I don't I can never pronounce his last name, but he is a fantastic back, Ibrahim. The Gophers, and they they put it on Michigan State over the weekend. That they are a physical downhill running team, and you know, as great as Penn State's pat, aggressive pass coverage is, you know, it, it could be more about the play in the front seven and the the the, the ability of the safeties to tackle. Uh, I think eventually they're going to be in a game where they're going to see a really good runner get the ball twenty five
0: times and say, "Try and stop me in the fourth quarter." Yeah, I mean, we talk about that secondary. Looking forward to that Ohio State game at Beaver Stadium uh, when Jackson Smith and Jake and that wide receiver core with C.J. Stroud when they roll in and go up against Joey Porter, Kaylin King. Uh, Jair Brown that's gonna be that's gonna be a really fun matchup but uh, yeah I agree with you you know the Michigan and Minnesota game you know Minnesota Tanner Morgan I think is a good quarterback and can certainly test you uh, downfield and uh, Penn State knows all about him from 2019 when Soraka was the coordinator now they don't have Tyler Johnson Rashad Bateman uh, catching balls for the Gophers but uh, Tanner Morgan is still around still a good quarterback but you're right the you know Michigan and Minnesota's identity so far this season has been just running it down team's throats and I'm interested, you know, to see how Michigan, uh, you know, how that running game stacks up against Penn State's front seven. I do, I do like what I've seen, uh, you know, from, you know, Hakeem Beeman on the inside, I think has been quiet, like quiet on the stat sheet, but uh, pretty apparent on the film when you take a look at it, you know, Chop Robinson and Adisa Isaac uh, have been getting after the passer that uh, their, their run defense will be tested, but Curtis Jacobs has, you know, been playing like an all big ten type player and, Abdul Carter will have another game and a bye week under his belt by the time they go to Michigan. And uh, I think he'll be a big part of that uh, effort as well. So, uh, yeah, certainly tests upcoming. uh, But I think so far what you've seen from Penn State's front seven, I think it's been better than what I expected. I don't know about you, but uh, that seemed like, especially the linebacker group, seemed like it was the question mark. And it really was the question mark as long as, you know, as well as the offensive line uh, entering this season. And like the the tests have been the test, but they've answered the they've answered the bell so far. I think another thing that could help Penn State's
1: run defense is that under Manny Diaz, they've kind of changed up what they're doing with Jair Brown. Like Jair Brown last year, he had a lot of tackles and a lot of solo tackles, but a lot of that was when players had gotten to the second level or maybe in the passing game when when he had to track somebody down. I think he's been much more active at the line of scrimmage. He's got three quarterback hits or three quarterback hurries. He got his first sack against Auburn you know, in in that seven deep, DB package they're really kind of using him more as a linebacker he's kind of built for it at about 205 or 210 and I think that maybe he's another guy that could really help Penn State uh, in run support if they're going to play him closer to the line of scrimmage but it still it still makes for a fascinating matchup wherever they put Jair Brown when they see Michigan and Minnesota back to back I can't wait for that I am dismissing Northwestern a little bit they're 25 and a half point Underdogs, They've lost three in a row all at home to teams that aren't very good. You know, it would really be stunning to see it still be a game, Johnny, in the fourth quarter. Was there anything else that struck you about James Franklin's Tuesday news conference today? He was asked about a lot of different things. If I could put you on the spot about beer sales if you want. I don't know if you have a strong opinion. I know you're pro beer in general, but I don't know if you have a strong opinion about the fan base consuming massive quantities of alcohol inside beaver stadium on saturday
0: james franklin didn't want to answer anything yeah. about that he's like you know I'm, I'm gonna leave that to the athletic director gonna leave that to the president that's not my that's not my field you know he even joked he's when he was asked about it uh today he was like you know on or off the record you want my answer but i mean i don't have any issue with it you know as long as people are responsible and uh, i understand uh some some people having concerns about it but um in terms of you know looking across the country at other colleges and then being you know beer sales and stadiums being implemented. It hasn't seemed like there's been a massive like crime, you know, crime jump or whatever you want to call it, you know, citations or anything like that. So yeah, I mean the athletic department needs to make money. Uh and uh, especially if they want to, you know, build you know football player specific dorms and these other you know facilities upgrades, right? And and keep up with all these things. So you need the money has to come from somewhere. So I don't I don't blame them at all. One small thing you asked uh James Franklin about uh Northwestern Star Tackle and I think that's gonna be An interesting test, you know, for Adisa Isaac and Chop Robinson. So um, this uh, this upcoming weekend as well.
1: I'm looking forward to seeing that. I know this guy is a heck of a player, um, and I know that one of the reasons their running back Hull has been used as a workhorse as a runner and a receiver is I just feel like, you know, if Northwestern does get into a third and one situation, I think that I know where the I think I know where they're going to run. Right? He just can't do it all by himself. But Chop Robinson and Adisa Isaac, you know, these are two guys that clearly can play at the NFL level if they continue to develop. I think in a lot of ways, chop Robinson, some of the things he's done that haven't showed up on the stat sheet, you know, you know, beating his man cleanly and getting the quarterback, maybe to throw the ball or pull the ball down and kind of ruin the play. He has been, I I knew he was a five-star talent. He's been one of their most impressive players. Um, When they need a quarterback pressure, more often than not, he's he's the guy. When they turned away Central Michigan on a fourth down play in the red zone, he was the one that pressured the quarterback. And he was the one uh, at the end of the Purdue game that finally pressured Aiden O'Connell and effectively ended that game. When he makes up his mind to rush the passer, boy, he he has got an impressive, impressive get-off at scrimmage. And I, I they play him on both sides. So I'm, I'm pretty sure Adisa, uh, Adisa and Chop are both going to see plenty of Skaronsky. I think it's going to be, a fascinating matchup Johnny and just one other thing about the beer sales I think Penn State effectively has priced out some people from having too much of a good time right I think 12 bucks or 15 bucks if you want to get a beer I know they're not 12 ounces they're a little bit bigger but I mean <laughs> you're going to have to spend a lot of money uh and and essentially to uh to maybe overdo it at games and maybe a couple people can do that but I don't know how many people can Maybe, it might be smart on penn state's side to kind of just maybe price the binge drinking out of out of the experience out of play in at beaver stadium because you're going to have to bring a lot of money if you want to have a if you want to have a, a rocking good time i think uh saturday at north uh, when they play northwestern
0: yeah i think some of those uh students and young graduates who are coming back for a game will take a look at those beer prices and decide next week you know i think we're going to slip in our flasks still <laughs> yeah. We'll put a flask in our you know in our sock or in a, in a hoodie however you want to however you want to you know take care of that business but I think you're still going to see some of that in, in the stands you know whether that's students or young grads but I mean look if they're going to make money off it as, as long as people are doing it safely that's all that's all you can really ask for I agree all right Johnny McGonagall.
1: we you and Dustin Hawkinsmith Smith will be back later in the week. Uh, young David Jones and myself are gonna do a we're gonna do a podcast and that'll be ready in a couple of days. We'll talk specifically about Penn State Northwestern. And I'm pretty sure Dave's gonna wanna talk about is it Hurricane Ike? What which what's the name of this hurricane? Anyway, there is a hurricane potential. Uh, and so there could be some fallout Saturday at Beaver Stadium, but I'm sure Dave's gonna give us an update on our podcast. I know you're really bummed you're gonna miss out on the on the update on the hurricane, but I'll do my best to fill you in on uh Dave's thoughts on how bad the weather's going to be on Saturday. But right, Johnny, it's going to be a fun week. And then after that, we get a bye week. So I know you're excited about that. I'm excited about that. Penn State's trying to go 5-0. and Real quick, you had them. They're number 11. Is that where you had them on your AP ballot, or did you have them a little bit higher?
0: No, I had them 11. I consider putting them at 10 or 9. Uh, but just the more I thought about it, just you know the way that that Central Michigan game went it uh, didn't sit right putting them Any, any higher than that. So I had them at 11. I think that's a really good spot for them. And uh, this was in my mailbag this week. Uh, There are a few games this weekend opportunities for Penn State to move up. I mean, NC State uh, plays Clemson. uh, So one of those teams are going to lose two two teams that are ahead of uh, Penn State. Some other games as well in the SEC, you know, that could bump a team or two out. Uh, Oklahoma State could lose and bump a team out. So I think Penn State is going to go into this Michigan game firmly in the top ten, whether they're eight, nine, or ten. But I think they'll be a top ten team going into that game. Uh let let the buzz begin let let the fa-
1: let the fan if they especially if they wax Northwestern right, and then they get the bye week to think about it. Michigan struggled a little bit against Maryland, so they're already starting to get excited. So let let it let it let's let's just let it get really really crazy by the time Penn State and Michigan kick off. Hopefully, everyone will be. I want them both to be healthy, both sides to be healthy, right? I want both both sides to give it their best shot. That's all you can ask for. But the funny thing is, Johnny, you're right. They could knock off Michigan, and that would be great. They they would probably be six and zero. But there's no promises coming the following week. You know, if they put a lot into that game against Minnesota, and Minnesota's going to be unbeaten, looking at their schedule, and then Ohio State, they could they're probably going to face three unbeaten teams in a row. Talk. I don't. That is no easy task, even if they do beat Michigan. I'm excited, though, for that stretch. I think they're going to be able to handle Northwestern. But for your first year back on the beat, Johnny, I don't know if you could you could have drawn it up any better in terms of of where Penn State sits going into the meat of their schedule.
0: I brought the good vibes over from Pitt's NCAA championship game, you know, appearance last year and and all that kind of stuff, right? They, they won 11 games last year. looks like Penn State might have an opportunity to do the same with the bowl game. So we'll see. Unbelievable. All right,
1: Johnny, take care. I will see you uh, at Beaver Stadium. Don't forget his uh, Blue White Breakdown podcast with Dustin Hawkinsmith and mine with the one and only David Jones. You guys have a great week. Stay safe. Beer will be flowing Saturday at Beaver Stadium. You do what you need to do at the game, and we'll do the same. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live.